that word is going to open your eyes to certain dimensions. Open your mouth and pray and say, Lord, give me that word for today. Give me that word. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, because you have gathered us to bless us. Even as your word comes, sometimes it comes and it rebukes us. But indeed, you're still blessing us. You instruct us. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for great things you will do this evening. Blessed be God forever. We thank you. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe, give me an amen. Amen. All right, quickly, um, let's quickly open our Bibles again to some, uh, the book of Jeremiah chapter 10. Let's declare the glory of God. Okay, Jeremiah chapter 10, are we there? Yes. Now we're going to read like one to use to drive out demons from this country, amen? Yes. And actually, that, okay, that's what we're doing. We're driving demons from Imo, amen? amen. Uh, a lot of them, there, there are too plenty. All those demons in Imo state, we drive them into the Atlantic. Center of Atlantic, not near the, not near the shore. Amen. Then go far, where ships don't pass. You know, the skies, even where we you know they swim that area, I mean, the demons go stay there. The Lord is good. They do, if they come there, no good, they will die by fire. Amen. The Lord is good, though. I'm not joking about that. Any demon that wants to go to hellfire on time should come and pass through our city. For me, most people should go to the center of the Atlantic. Amen. You know, Satan stays in certain places. You know how I know? Jesus said so. Where Satan lives. So if he's parking to your neighbor, you should suspect. And uh, let me not get into that. Let's do our this thing. So let's read this like we want to drive out the demons. Amen. amen. All right, from verse six, if you are ready, say amen. amen. Please try and use a New American Standard Bible so that our voices will, will flow in unison. That's the only reason. Nothing more than that. All right. If you don't have, the person beside you has. That's why he's not com- looking confused. Those who don't have, they're already doing like this. So if somebody just standing still, either the person is not serious at all or he has. <laughs> you know, some people are like that. No matter what you say. They're like manzan that can never be moved. <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> All right, are we there? Okay, together let's go. There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and great is your name in might. Who will not fear you, O King of the nations? Indeed, it is your due. For among all the wise men of the nations, and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. Now, eight. But they are all together stupid and foolish. In their discipline of delusion, their idol is wood. Bidding silver is brought from Tarshish and gold from Ophaz. The work of a craftsman and the hands of a goldsmith. Violet and popular they are clothing. They are all the work of skilled men. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath the earth quakes. And the nations cannot endure his nation. Thus we shall say to them, The God that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding he has stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens, and he causes the clouds to ascend from the end of the earth, makes lightning from the rain and brings out the wind from his storehouses. Every man is foolish, the voice of knowledge. Every ghostsmith is put to shame by his idols, for his molten images are deceitful, 
There is no breath in them. They are worthless, a work of mockery. In the time of their punishment, they will perish. The portion of Jacob is not like this, for the maker of all is he, and Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Amen? Amen. 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 If you read this, you should know that you should not fear any idol anybody has anywhere. Did you hear what I said? You know why? He said, they are a work of what? Mockery. Mockery. They are a work of mockery. Don't worry about them. Every idol, every god, every human being that did not make the heavens and did not make the earth, the time of their judgment has come. Amen. In this nation, their time has come. Amen. God said, I have sworn by myself, the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness and will not turn back. That to me, every knee will bow, every tongue will swear allegiance. Say, they will say of me, only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. Listen, anyone who is angry with him, he said, will be put to shame. This is fulfilled in this season in the name of Jesus. In this country, that word is fulfilled. Jesus is Lord. Somebody say that three times. Again. Again. Over this nation, Jesus is Lord. Say it one more time. Over your life, Jesus is Lord. Say it. Amen. Amen. Today, as we are, as the word of God is coming forth, and as we raise our voices in prayer to the Lord, the lordship of Jesus will be established all around us again in Jesus' name. Amen. And it will be established very importantly in our individual lives in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, quickly before we take our seats, let's take our declaration of understanding, as we always do. One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, and pleasing him in all respects, and bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. amen. And that is what you experience today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's take our seats. Now, we are going to continue our school of prayer, which we say we'll take back-to-back for a number of days before we now go into our regular um, schedule of teaching on Saturdays and then teaching and praying on Tuesdays. Tuesdays usually is our school of prayer, but we just want to put some things together, all right? In this, um, at the beginning of this year, uh, as we started, I mean, as soon as we started this year, we started this particular order, but just for a short period. It's like praying for the new season. All right? Hmm. The Lord is good. Um, so, we're taking things one by one. Last time we prayed for ourselves, setting ourselves on the path of the will of God for our individual lives. Do you remember that? That you see, it is not right for us to think that we can do what we like, and then God must bless it. I said that God is not our accessory to, how did I say it? To enjoyment, something like that. Yeah, God is not an accessory to our comfort, Is not. He's not just there to provide comfort for us. That is not what he is there for. In fact, I feel like reading something out to us here. I woke up during the night, and I, I some people are very organized. No, I'm not very organized. Some people are very organized. I know people like that. 
<laughs> now, so, so I read at random. So I woke up during the night today. I just picked something to read. Just for a short while before I went back to sleep. And I decided to read Oswald Chambers as, you know, he was teaching where he, he taught some series from the book of Isaiah. Okay? And um, you know, it's very funny. I read the comments. It's never been published because his wife delivered around that period, so she could not attend all the meetings. So the notes were not complete. Hey! I said some people are very important. That because she delivered around that time, so she was breastfeeding. So she missed a lot of the meetings. So the notes are not complete. Hey! Let's leave it there. That is, thank God the woman was not delivering every day because <laughs> now so we will not get all the books we have. Anyway, so let's get leave that. Now he said something which I just want to drop it as a as part of the thing I said earlier that God is not an accessory to our comfort. This is so important. He was talking about, in fact, uh, you know, people, have, you heard, have you heard this before? Now this is just, just an aside. You know, I do aside things a lot. Just an aside. And people say that if God is love, you know, well, that a loving God not send people to hellfire, you know that kind of thing. You've heard that kind of nonsense talk before. Yeah, they try to define what it means to be loving. Oswald Chambers answered it, my God, in such a profound manner. He was reading from Isaiah chapter one. I didn't pick the particular portion, but I just read the book. He said, when the Bible says God is love, it means what it says. But remember that the love of God is exhibited on a cruel cross. For God so loved the world that he was, he gave his only begotten son. Did you notice that? So he was crucified as a sign of what? The love of God. Alright? He said, remember that. He said, the love of God cannot make room for sin or self-interest. Therefore, the appeal of the love of God is not that of kindness and gentleness, but that of holiness. The world makes it look like it's about kindness and gentleness. Say no, it's about holiness. He said, if you take the natural view of the love of God, you will become atheistic. He said, if God will love according to our natural view of love, he ought never to cause us pain. He ought to allow us to be peaceful. But the first thing God does is to cause us pain and to arouse us wide awake. He comes into our lives all along with ideals and truths which annoy and sting us and break up our rest until he brings us to one point, that it is only moral and spiritual relationships which last. That's why God looks cruel, judged from the human sentimental standpoint. He loves us so much that he will not prevent us from being hurt. Now, he, he wrote much more than this. But I needed to share this, so I just cut this one out, and I shared it. I said, see, this one, people, anybody can say that, if God is love, say, hey, God's love is not based on gentleness, it's based on holiness. His holiness, in his love, he will bring you into his holiness and cleanse away every bit of sin from your body. He will cleanse away every bit of sin from your life. He will cleanse away every bit of sin from this earth. I like what um, David Paulson said. He said, God loves righteousness more than he loves people. That righteousness is more important to him than people. So we said it last time, back to our message, that's a small digression. That God is not an accessory to our comfort. We can't live the way we like and expect things to work properly. It doesn't work like that. You can't live the way you like and expect things to work properly. Please, can I take another digression? I know you came for the digression, so this one I'm always asking for permission. See Judah at the back there. He doesn't even want me to talk straight. 
Just wants to do digression. That's what he's looking for in life. <laughs> it's another digression, just to give an illustration. What I want to say is very funny. I have a number of people that are about to remarry who are about my age and a little older than me. A number of them for different reasons. Now, some of them, the reasons are crazy. One is just angry with his wife. One day I saw his phone. I saw him posing with one fine chiquito like this, you know? So I, I, I saw it a few times. I didn't say anything. I think he wanted me to say something. I didn't say anything. So just, I actually thought it was his wife. So that really dressed her how very nicely and all of that. So I just said, is that your wife? He said, yes. I said, oh, she came around because the woman is abroad. He said, no, my new wife. I said, is that a joke? He said, no, I'm not joking. So he gave me the picture. I looked at it closer. Ah, it's not the wife I know. He said, I'm, he said, I'm marrying a new wife. Like, are you serious about that? He said, I'm very, very serious. Your old wife, does she know? And I can't remember the answer to that. He said, no, well, if she had decided she's going to stay abroad and not come back, I'm not going to stay like that. I'm not going to America. She had better come back home. I made up my mind. I've given her a particular time. The time has crossed. She didn't come back home. I'm going to marry a new wife. I've told my kids. I mean, he was just talking about it normally. Now, you see where I'm going in a moment. So I said, well, a young woman, the guy is my age. And all of you know how old I am. I mean, by the time you do a party and everybody came to eat food with you, <laughs> you know how old you are. So there's nothing like that. Those who, who know they are older than you, they now know they are older than you, see? Just because of anointing. Otherwise, I'm not your mate. <laughs> anyway, so you can imagine he's not a young guy. And he told me that the woman is in her early 20s. If you shout, the new one, uh, the, old, the old one cannot be the one. Apostle, what, what is your problem? I was taking her back a bit. He said, oh, that she's just a little older than his daughter. Yeah, his first daughter should be about um, 20. Yeah. Now, that Jesus ended. So don't wait for more details. No, no, there's more details that will come in a moment. I met another person, a little older than me, told me that he wants to marry too. His own reason for wanting to remarry is a very righteous reason. Okay, I won't give him more, but it's a very righteous reason. Okay? He didn't drive away his wife or anything like that. Okay? Just know he wants to marry. So when he told me who he was going to marry, ah, again, I was shocked. Somebody who, maximum if he's too old, mid, about to make mid-50s, uh, mid-20s. Ah. So I was like, excuse me. Then, there's another, there's a, there's a third story, I think. But there are people like that around. So I'm looking at them one by one. What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> I mean, is this good? <laughs> I'm also, you know, that's how I'm feeling. That's how I'm thinking. Then let, let's not, not to the first story. There's a small detail to give. Think about the first one. So he said, Shabit, they say I'm a very difficult person. Now when they say, they said, who's the they? The first wife. Okay, good. Ah, you're very smart though. <laughs> he said, no, I'm a difficult person to live with now. Eh? That is why we tell him, eh, I can never do anything wrong in this house, eh, anything right in this house. That's why you'll be talking to him all the time. He said, I lived with this young woman now for, he told me how many months, I can't remember. He said, everything has been absolutely peaceful. <laughs> you are laughing, but you, you, will get, you will soon stop laughing. When you get serious, okay, I'm not joking now. 
But I got, the, I got his point. Then I realized what was happening. The same thing I have seen play out again and again. I have noticed. See, you know why everything is so peaceful between them? It's not because he doesn't make mistakes or he has become, I know him is a difficult person. <laughs> I know him. Once he's made up his mind, go and call God. He's the same person who told me. He was in church one day, and the reverend was talking. And he walked up there, put up his hand, he said he should come. He took the mic, looked at the reverend and said, you are a dangerous human being. Put the mic down, went back to his seat. Now, if you're a Catholic, you know that is next to cursing God. In front of the whole congregation, he took the mind, pointed at the Reverend Father like this, say, you are a dangerous human being. Dropped his mic, went back to the seat, and sat down. And once he sat, people gave him space. <laughs> so, he is a difficult person. I felt a certain quarrel between him and one other person before. I had to drive the two of them away from my presence. That is enough. I'm not... Educating this matter again, you should go away. All right? So, what am I talking about all of this? Why does he have so much peace with this young woman? She respects him a lot. That's all. That's all. So, I turned around and I told, I told you that day. I said, well, Why don't these women who are not 50 years younger than their husband? Just respect their husbands like that. And you will have as much peace. What is gravitating these old men to these young, to these young women is that they just want somebody who gives them respect. I've warned all of you. You'll be calling your, your husband, hey, John, hurry now. You are, you, are, you are mad. I'm sorry I said it like that. I don't know how else to help you understand it. One day I told my wife, distinguish between when you are talking to Akinlu, your first son, and me, and it must be clear. If you are talking and I mistakenly wonder whether you are talking to Akinlu, I won't answer you. Seriously, my wife, the Yono, I mean, I said, hey, sit down. Eh? When you are talking to Akinlu, and you are talking to me, there should be a war. That is the war, the difference to be like as far as the east is from the west. Even if I waste your time, don't tell me, but I've been waiting for you since. I look at it, are you all right? Nobody in my office will tell me that. Nobody. So I shouldn't get it at home. Even that, that's when I'm late to. One day, one young man used to work for my wife in the school. Then one day there was an issue. So I told, he, he came to me, he explained and explained and explained. He took time to explain. I told him something. I said, you see, you're missing one critical point. It's not about right and wrong. It's about who's the boss. I said, you see, you've sat here now to argue with me on right and wrong. Now, just for the records, I'm not a stupid man. He was totally wrong. But I didn't want to even drag the argument there. Okay, every man's way is right in his own eyes, so you understand that, so it's not a big deal. Okay, you, he can go he's somewhere else now telling you, telling somebody that I was wrong and my wife was wrong, her boss, his boss. Okay, fine. But I told him, I said, listen, this is not about right and wrong. This is about who is the boss? I said, so all you have said is unimportant. You will do what you are told. I didn't care whether he made any sense. It's only after you have gotten that point, 
One of the things I told my, I told my wife, she learned it some time ago. I said, don't argue with me. Make your request. Don't argue with me. Make your request. If you want to say, my husband, please, I would like us to do this easier, so and so and so time. That's what you really want? Yes. Okay, let me say it properly. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Then I can ask you why. They give me your arguments, your points. I said, okay, let me think about it. You can ask for anything up to half of my kingdom, they say, even beyond half of the kingdom. Because it is within, it is my God, um, I don't want to use the word approved, as if I ask for it. God designated power to be the one to approve the action. So you go, you make your request. Do you know something that happened between Abraham and um, Sarah? Which we may, a lot of us misunderstand, understand, we misunderstood. And some of us still misunderstand, but God has given me the opportunity to clarify for some people. They say she respected her husband so much, she called him what? Lord. So we came up to this modern um, um, time and said, why do I call somebody Lord? Because our, the use of the word Lord now is for Jesus Christ. Lord now is tied to deity. But then it wasn't like that. Lord was the name that servants called masters. So everybody who approached the presence of David, we say, my Lord, the king. It wasn't about deity. But modern day, lordship is almost like deity. So that's why we, become, we became afraid to use the title Lord. And I've been there when Christians would argue that if you go to court, will you call the judge my Lord? For though Christians have been persecuted for it too, because the judge is not my Lord. No. Old English is what they say used in some of the courts. So those days, is like master, sir. So the modern word, if Sarah was to talk today, is that Sarah, or the Bible is to write about it today, it would be that Sarah respected her husband so much that when he, she, he called, she answered, sir. And when she wanted to talk to him, she would say, sir. That's all. It was not about deity. It was about respect. Do you get my point? You know, I, I just, I, this happened over the last, what I'm telling you over the last few weeks well, to a few months. I just observed, my wife and I were talking about it in the house a few nights ago. I said, see what is going on? I said, why are these old men going this way? It's, because, it's simply because. So I was talking to one young woman in my office and telling her just this thing. That's it. Look, you, the old lady. So just, I said, ah, sir, that one is very difficult to, sir, that is difficult. Now, that's why I went to do that. So with the results attached to it, be difficult to come into your life. That's why I went to that digression. If God has set some things in order, if you go against the order, it, no, there's no amount of love he has for you that he will bless you. He doesn't work. You know what the example I've given many times? David loved God so much, and God loved David personally. The love he had for David was personal. But David married many wives, and that thing cannot carry a blessing. So when, it, when David is moody, and God says, what is going on? He says, me and my wife. He says, okay, sorry. God won't say anything. You know this kind of thing when he says, sorry. If God had gone to David, when David is fully moody, and said, David, what is the problem? Say the kingdom of Israel. God said, uh-huh. The Edomites, what did they do to you? They want to rebel against me and attack from that angle. God will have said, take Joab. Take Abshai. 
Let them, let each take 250,000 men. Attack from this corner. You see the angels warming up. Oh yeah. But go, go there. <laughs> David, what's the problem? See, this is my wife's. God say, Bele. And you continue going. You just said, Bele. And move on. One day I conducted a small ceremony for some people. And a man came to me. I mean, one of the people doing the ceremony was, was a man and a woman, husband and wife. So, the father of, either the, oh yeah, of the husband. I think so, yes. Came to me, like, could he talk to me? I said, no problem. So I sat down. The man sat in my presence and said everything about his wife. That way I can talk to her. Now listen, this was years ago, not today. This was at least five years ago. So, and this man's son was already married for years. So it's not a small boy I'm talking about. So when he came to me, I said, please talk to his wife. The mother of the same boy, the same man that's married. So these are not children. So I said, okay, let me see what I can do. So he stepped out of the office. I called madam, please come in. So as I began to speak, see your husband, you know, I wanted to say, he said, this one, I knew the cause of the problem. He said, no, I felt like madam, just go. There's no need. Counseling you is pointless. You won't get anywhere. Hmm, him? The disdain. It was clear. Those people are just pretending to be married. Americans have done their studies. Marriage counselors say number one predictor of divorce when people, people come for counseling is the disdain the, usually the woman has for the man. Counseling. Because of who? Joe. Yeah, now let's talk now. The counselor knows that this thing is not good anywhere. David was marrying many wives. God, you know, people have come to argue with, with you. That after all, I said, point to me one person who had many wives and it came out well. Gideon had many wives, father 70 children. Gideon. Gideon. The Gideon you know. One of his sons killed all the brothers and half brothers. One. Go and be marrying many wives and raising children. The after all, people did it before you. Nobody did it before you and was blessed for it. Nobody. God managed to hold David up till he died. Of course, he saw all the crises that came from it. Then Solomon said, <laughs> if my father's harem was this side, size, my harem would be this size. They were planning to be increasing the harem size. So, you know, David was the one that taught Solomon those things. Solomon grew up. And just by the way, there are some things that are natural pleasures, natural sins, natural tendencies. Marrying many women is one of them. Solomon said it. So when you find an excuse for bad thing, because your body agrees, it's because you are looking for the excuse. You don't need the excuse. There's, there's enough impulse. I don't know what, I, what are you getting my point? Don't, don't call God into a flesh is already pushing you enough. Don't look. <laughs> Let me say, the Bible says, you, want, you are looking for the Bible to use to obey the flesh. Abi? Listen. Solomon took it up to another level. And he testified that it's the pleasure of all men, many concubines. And that was what ended the dynasty of David over the whole nation. Why did I go into all of that? For us to bear in mind that, listen, don't joke with disobedience to God, even if he doesn't say anything. Is it, I want to do something, say, God, if you like. <laughs> say, Lord, it's not if I like. If he, he, do you like? Is it pleasing to you? That something is pleasing to the Lord. 
should be more important to you than whether he granted permission or he didn't. You see what I said? That it is pleasing to God should be more crucial to your knowledge than whether he granted permission or he did not. Because there are many things he granted permission for which was not pleasing to him. There, were, there are many. You read the Bible, it's full of them. You can divorce your wife anytime you like. Moses said, well, what do you, all you need to do is give a certificate of divorce. They say, God says so. God says so. Jesus said it's a bad thing. Say, are you bigger than Moses? Now, for information, all the commandments of Moses were handed to Moses by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In his pre-incarnate self. He gave them to Moses. So he knew. Yet he said it's not a good thing. Ah. He said, but Moses said we could do it. And if you read the Bible, it's not Moses that said it. It's God that said it. And Jesus said to them, in the beginning, it was not so. Then why did Moses say it? He said, because of the hardness of your heart. So many times, God approves things that he doesn't love. Because our hearts are hard. But whether he approves it or not, he doesn't bless it. The only thing he will not do, because he approved it, he will not judge it. He will not condemn you for it. He will not punish you for it. But he will never bless it. If you think came with his own natural problems, you will walk with the natural problems. If doing the opposite comes with certain blessings, he will not bring the blessings by force. He will say, hey, if you want the blessing, you go the normal way. So I say it again, what I've said many times, God never blesses disobedience. Never. Listen to this, even when it is done in ignorance. Do you hear what I said? Even when it is done in ignorance, God never blesses disobedience. Even though it was done in ignorance. I said, Pastor Bank, are you sure of that? <laughs> let's, let's read. <laughs> let's read a few scriptures about it. The words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, God help me. I want to get into the main message I have for today. The book of Luke chapter 12. Now, I wanted everything just to, conv- just to convince you of what I just said. So let's know Jesus said it. 47. And that slave who knew his master's will, this one knows, or knew, and did not get ready or act in accord with his will, we do what? We receive what? Many lashes. Let's look at the one who did not know. Verse 48. But the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of flogging because he did not know it, we do what? We receive what? Will you go unpunished? Was the ignorance given as an excuse? God never blesses disobedience even when it is done in ignorance. The only thing he does because of ignorance, like you see, Many stripes. What does this one get? Few. It's called mercy. He shows mercy. Mercy suspends judgment. And the blessing God gives to the person with the right heart is correction. So correction is a sign of a blessing. If you are not being corrected, you are doomed. When God wants to punish you, he doesn't allow you to hear correction. Say, let them hear. Let them not understand. Let them see without perceiving. He said, what if they understand? They may go and repent. Then I'll be forced to forgive them. So when he's determined to punish, he removes the ability to be corrected. So when you see somebody 
who reproving the person, you go, you don't, there's no advancement, there's no progress. Just know that person is on his way to destruction. As it is written, he that is often reproved, but hardens his heart, shall suddenly be destroyed without what? Remedy. So once you see you are correcting somebody, the person no one here. He refuses to hear. Ah. You bring the word of God. You bring other people. See, this is where you are. And the person refuses. Just know this person is going to be destroyed. Certainly. It's called the sin unto death. I don't want to go into that in, in, in details now. All right? Let's not go into it. People have asked me, what is the sin unto death? It's simple. When you do something you don't know is wrong, it's a sin that is not unto death. We can pray for you and God will forgive you, even though you have not yet repented. But when you have been corrected, and God knows that the correction has reached the point of understanding, that is, by now, you should understand the correction, and you still do not change, then any time you commit a sin after that, you will most certainly be punished to the full measure of it. No intercession will be able to suspend the judgment. None. Gather Moses and Samuel. Pray for the person. God said, I will not hear. Why? It's called a sin unto death. So John said, I do not tell you to pray for such a situation. Which is why Jesus said something like this. If your brother sins against you, what do you do? Talk to him. If he doesn't hear you, go and take somebody. A mutual friend, possibly. Somebody he respects. Let's talk to this guy. He doesn't listen. He said, go and call the elders now. Report the matter to the elders. He said, if he still doesn't hear the elders, that's the church. Take it to the church. All right? The elders, I just said I want to represent the church. Okay? If he still doesn't hear, then shut him out. It's now to you, like an unbeliever. You know what that means? God will now go after him. I believe that God may repeat, repeat some proof because God will first catch the person, choke the person small. If the guy hears, he will survive. But he must go back to the church to repent, to the friends to repent, and then to the first person he offended. I hope you are getting my point here. Uh-huh. Now, just to let you know that the sin that is unto death is the one in which you were corrected and you still harden your heart. How did we get there? I know, just want to emphasize something that God does not bless disobedience. You can't be walking on your way. I told that story of marriage and all of that. To say, you see, some things are so clear. And you don't ask people, why don't you just do it? They say, it's not natural. I said, listen to me. That lady I was talking to in my office. That's all I was telling her. Even she even quoted, so I don't even know how she knew it. Or maybe she heard me say it before. That, ha, hmm. Once you see a commandment in the Bible that says this, it means the opposite, eh? It's what you do naturally. And I look like, has this, has this woman heard me teach this thing before? Because many of you have heard me say it. So it's not natural, it's why there is a commandment. It's why there is a commandment. That's why he said, husband, love your wives. Because uh, sometimes the natural thing is, husband, kill your wives. <laughs> it's a natural thing. <laughs> Throw her out of the window from upstairs. One man did that because they were playing a match. The woman now was playing a rough play. Just go stand between the man and the TV. The Lord is good. So the woman was playing that kind of Russell's joke. Finals. Now he threw the woman from, from upstairs. 
God have mercy. So the opposite is natural when you have a commandment. So commandments come to make you do that which is not natural. So when that young man said to me that day, I said, but you've just said it yourself now. That the, but there is still a commandment. There is still a commandment. And every commandment is designed to give you a blessing. Did you hear what I said? Every commandment is designed for your blessing. Every single commandment. Every single commandment. Including the one that says, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God only. It's the only one you will serve. Like we discussed yesterday. It's also for your blessing. If you worship another God, you will become like them. They will have eyes they will not be able to see. They have ears they can't hear. I hope you're getting my point. Everything you have in your body after a while will start malfunctioning because you are worshiping another God because you become like whom you worship. So because God wants to bless you, does, want to, does not want your life wasted. So he says, mm-hmm, worship me. Like we are discussing yesterday, that the aim is so that you will be like him. God is not trying to emphasize the difference between you and him. Even when he seems to be doing it. No, he's trying to lift up your eyes to a higher level. So that you can come up higher. It's not, look, go, stay down there. One day I was teaching a Bible study somewhere. Well, I wasn't the one teaching, but I wrote the, the script. They were using it somewhere. I'm, well, I'm the spiritual director kind of in the place anyway, but I wasn't the one leading the Bible study that day. But I was surprised at the kind of questions adults were asking. You know, the other just hasn't everybody understand something. So I we'll quoted scripture about knowing the will of God and all of that. Someone now reminded me that God said, my ways are not your ways. So you don't even come near. Ah! How did, uh, the person talking was almost 70 years old. So I said, excuse me, sir. No, no, no. God didn't say that to emphasize the difference. It was a rebuke that come up higher. I hope you're getting my point. You know, people read it and said, listen, God is superior to us. His ways are far higher, higher than our ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways higher than ours. And they took consolation in that, that we can never go near. He's too great. His ways are far higher than ours. We are down here, warm, dust, dust thou art, to dust thou shalt return. The comfort they had in their sins and disobedience is that God is too great. When God brought it up, he to let you know that don't stay there. I did not create you to be there. When he said, my ways are not yours, he said, listen, what you are doing is not what I ordained you to do. You are supposed to learn my ways and start walking in my ways, thinking my thoughts, walking in my paths. I hope you're getting my point. Every commandment is given for your blessing. So if God says, listen, what's your name? Eh? Chidi. Chidi. He said, Chidi, I like your shirt. I like the way you dress, the way you behave. So I want to just reduce the commandments for you. Special favor. Only you, Chidi. Don't tell this man on your left or your right. Or even the one behind you looking so strong like this. Then if they do it, I will punish them. But you, don't worry. Don't worry. You know I love you. So Chidi, which one don't you like? Say, I don't like that one that says that uh, um, that shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Say, I cheated. Don't worry. Don't worry. Go ahead. (laughs) 
So don't convert your neighbor's goods. Actually, don't worry. Just go ahead. Convert. Any other ones you don't like? Once in a while, bearing false witness pays. They pay good money. You just bear false witness like this. I've been there before. They gave the man half a million dollars. Election tribunal. He bore false witness. God says to you, Chidi, you like that? Say yes. I want to be able to do this. Okay, let me just cancel it for you. So, out of ten commandments, your owner remains like five and a half. Take. <laughs> Any day God does that for you. Just know that he has given up on you. He says he's going to punish you personally. <laughs> that this boy can never be blessed again. <laughs> Just know. And he'll be, let me tell you something about God. Eh? He'll be smiling while doing it. Too. You won't know that your destruction. What will happen is I say, good. And now come on, Pastor Okemute. There, is a, there are certain levels of a walk with God. There's, there are dimensions of grace that the average person does not understand. There's a way you press into God. And when you connect with certain levels of grace, start moving at a different realm. Certain commandments don't apply to you. Then the first of your neighbor's wives you covet, they will castrate you there. And God won't say anything. You're gone. And the only reason why he didn't let the cuckoo kill you is that he has other things to use your life to make example for. And next thing you go, say next, you bear false witness. They will beat you, break your jaw. They, in fact, they are killing you, but God said, no, you won't die yet. I will leave you as an example of disobedience. When you come and say, oh, I'm the girl. Grace. <laughs> Dimension of grace. Oh, no young man. Can I get to the story of one young man? He was living a riotous life. So when they came to church, suddenly the spirit fell upon somebody in church and got up and prophesied. And the other person just talked, talked, talked. He said, hey, this is your last chance. So the young man heard the word, knew the word was his own, and he left. And God never corrected him again. Then one night, shortly after anyway, he went out at night, got drunk, and then he, he staggered to somebody's door. It was a wrong house. It was, not, it was not trying to attack anybody. America? <laughs> the guy answered him with a, with a release of shot. The shot blasted his jaw open. When they dragged him to the hospital, of course, the jaw was in pieces. The man shot him well, intending to kill him. See, when America is talking about their right to possess weapons, they have their reasons. So. See, just by the way, I'm not saying they should hold the weapon. Some people have tried to explain, listen, the argument doesn't hold water when you are living in Houston, you are living in Atlanta, you are living in New York, you are living in, you know, um, you know, big cities. But you, you live on a ranch in Oklahoma. Bros, you need your gun. By the time your children are 12, male and female, you've taught them how to aim and shoot, to kill. And I don't mean a deer. I mean, <laughs> because your next neighbor is three kilometers down the road. Even if you call police, four police comes, <laughs> they will have quartered you. <laughs> so the man went into somebody's door. They blasted his jaw open. They took him to the hospital. You know what he said? Ah, I ain't listen. I ain't listen. I don't listen. You know what I said? Say, I didn't listen. I was warned. And he died. Oh, yes, he died. So if God were to reduce the commandments for you, tell him, no, sir. 
there are some sinners down my street. Maybe I should give them the revised one. As for me, give me the amplified commandment. Give me the strengthened commandment. Give me the harder commandment. Just one more thing, shall Lord. You will put grace so, with which I will obey. Again, grace is not to excuse disobedience. Grace is God's power for heightened obedience. That's why where grace, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. That is the only way God can bless. So when God wants to bless, he heightens the commandments in your life. So you find out, if God indeed were to reduce the intensity of the commandments, what he's trying to do is to reduce the amount of blessing possible in your life. When he said in the beginning it was not so, but for the hardness of your heart, God permitted this and that. The blessing attached to the way it was supposed to be at the beginning, the people never received it. And listen to me. What I want to say is very deep. If you go and study the life of Abraham and the life of Sarah, you will see certain blessings that they had. Okay? It's not a joke that the youth of that woman was renewed. It's not a joke. There is something inside it the way the two of them operated, that made that blessing possible. There's something inside it. There's something inside the way they related on that dimension. There's an old woman, people thought she was still young. This nonsense polygamy and um, uh, concubine that men do is denying the women certain things. They don't realize it. There's a degree of life they're supposed to inject that they can't. Because their fountains, the Bible said, have been scattered abroad. So when Jesus wanted to bring a higher level of blessing in the New Testament into our lives, he began to tell us things like this. You have heard, but I tell you, he made it more difficult. The only difference, like I said earlier, if God says, okay, if, you, if God says, let me reduce your, uh, the commandments, you say to him, no, Lord, increase the commandments, but please add something for me, which is what? Grace. He said the law came by Moses, but grace and truth we realize through Jesus Christ. So, what Jesus came to do was to add grace, not just commandment. His instructions on the natural plane were more difficult. Moses had 613 for them. Jesus didn't have a certain number. He come and tell you things like, is he a brother? Say yes, don't take him to court. Why? I you don't want an unbeliever sitting over your judgment. Now, come on. If you guys can't settle it in church, leave it. Ah, it's not something that is immoral. It is not illegal. But God said there's a higher level I want you guys to walk in. If you want that level, I tighten the commandment a bit. I don't make it easier. Like I was giving an illustration earlier. God can come and tell you, hey, listen, you don't go out on Mondays. He says, sir, that is when business starts. I said, I know. But you, I don't want you to go out before 12 o'clock or 2 o'clock on Mondays. And you're like, excuse me, I don't get it. But it becomes your own personal commandment. What I call testimonies, taking the word from Psalm one night. So certain instructions, they are just unique to you. And it's not arbitrary. It's not like, I've just told God I will not shave my beards again. That's not what we mean. I mean, as you are walking closer with the Lord, as you're looking at your purpose for living, as certain understandings are coming your way, certain instructions just come out and say, no, I can't do this. Others may do it, but no, me, I can't. I told you last time that my classmates were doing, we, we are, they organized a 30th reunion. It's a big deal. 
30 years. In fact, my, client, my colleague, who's now the chairman of our group, he said, Banky, we will not have another 30th anniversary. And of course, they don't do it every year. The first one they did was the 20th. They did it on the 25th. I went for that 25th one. Then 30th. No, they did it on that 26th or 27th, but that one they did outside the country. They, did, they traveled abroad for that, so I didn't even consider that. They did it on the 30th. Ha! I agonized over it. The major reason I did not go, the number one reason I didn't go, was simply that most of the activities, the main activities were put on Saturday. And because it was holding on the island in Lagos, there's no airport close to the island. So if I'm leaving the island to come go and take a flight at Ikeja, you know the way Lagos will be. It's Saturday. So I will have had to leave, that is to be able to land in Enugu maybe by 3 o'clock. So that means I will have had to leave that place maybe around in the morning. So I can be at the airport before 2. You don't know which hold up you run into. Basically, it meant I would miss all the activities. I said, there's no way. I don't know how I'll be able to explain it. That people like you have gathered physically. And these days we have found out that more people gather on, online. And then I say, where's Pastor Banky? He's not around. Why? He's sitting in one expensive hotel in Lagos. He's eating chicken and discussing with his classmates, half of whom are unbelievers. A huge number of whom he didn't speak with when they were in school. They were not even afraid. Just maturity, age. Now, united we again. It may look trivial for some people, but for me, it's hard. I sat down agonized over it. I said, no. If you don't find me on Saturday here, it's one of two things. Either I'm somewhere else preaching or something very serious is going on. Some people have said that it's not a big deal. Yes, for you it's not a big deal. For me, it is a big deal. The name I bear now, Olushino, I wasn't born like that. Now my siblings bear it, my younger brother's name he bears now, but that's not, that was not our father's name. I was the first to switch it. Some say, it doesn't matter. I say, maybe for you it does not matter. But whose likeness and whose inscription are these? It came to me from understanding. I said, how do I go around preaching the gospel of Jesus and the name I'm bearing is after one god of iron, god of thunder, god of the sea, false gods, who we just read from Jeremiah chapter 10, that they will perish from under the heavens and the surface of the earth, and whoever is bearing their name with them, he didn't say it like that, but they will drag you small. They go drag you. They go drag you now. There's one part of Lagos called, is it Shongotedo? And let that be your name. Then when God is punishing Shongo, you know what means Shongotedo? Like, what does it mean? Yes. He spoke the, 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 the Yoruba right. Shongo has settled. Bible word, he has tabernacled. So that's your surname. You know what it means. As you are praying in the morning, <laughs> say in the name of Jesus, say who's talking, say the, the person in whose life. <laughs> Some people say it doesn't matter. Maybe you don't have enough understanding. I have too much understanding in that regard. I have too much. I told you once, my wife upset me. Not that, I mean, it happens. And I was so upset, I felt I couldn't preach. So I was about to call this man and say, please, Bible study today, prepare a message, I shall not be coming. 
The phone was in my hand when they, my spirit. They said, let's not call the Holy Spirit some things. You should have enough wisdom. After all these years of working with God, for your spirit to instruct you sometimes. My spirit woke up and said, so when the Lord comes at 5 o'clock, just again, digression. God has marked where you are supposed to be at certain times. And it goes to those places to check whether you are there or not. At 5 o'clock, he comes here to check. Because he checks two things. One, that my house is empty. <laughs> and two, that this place is full of my presence. You know, God asks sometimes, he went to Elijah, what are you doing here? You should be able to answer. He went to where he kept Adam. He said, Adam, where are you? Those are the two questions God asks also. Please, before you start packing your paper, hey, I'm driving to this country, I'm going to Ghana. Just know that where he kept you, he will go and ask. Two things he will do. One, where he is supposed to be, he will go there and say, where are you? Very important. Two, wherever you are, he will also go there and say, what are you doing here? Please, I hope you are getting my point. As a believer, it's not just anywhere you run to, anyhow you like it. It doesn't work like that. They just increase salary, you have gone. That's how you know money is your God. And they just say, hey, that place, opportunity there, you have gone. Maybe a single man, they say, more women there, you have gone. You're a single woman, more men there, you have gone. Your needs are just driving you up and down. Tossed to and fro by every wind of opportunity. Such a person cannot receive anything from the hand of the Lord. Why? Unstable in all his ways. A digression. So that day I told myself, so when the Lord comes and says, where are you? You say, I'm at home. He said, what are you doing there? You now say, the wife whom you gave to me upset me so much, I cannot preach the word. Two people will get punished. Two people will suffer judgment. And listen, the teaching is wrong that says that God does not judge now. That is now the day of grace. Have you heard that before? Then the day of what? Mercy. Have you heard that before? It's not true. That's always been the day of mercy. Israel had a mercy seat. Did they not have? All of us must appear before the mercy seat of Christ. Ah, apostle, what do you mean? You told me no. Are you telling me I don't know the Bible? <laughs> it's not the mercy seat. Everybody appears before what? Judgment. The judgment seat. So nobody should tell me that Jesus, God is not judging. He's judging. He will judge. So he will say to me, what are you doing here? And I will say to him, I'm, I'm angry. So your anger is more important than the assignment I gave you. Why are you angry, by the way? The wife you gave to me. Hey, Adam, number two, modern day Adam. Once they have disobeyed me, they will find the wife I gave to them to blame. And if you keep on giving that woman as an excuse why you can't do the will of God, he will punish you and kill her. Oh, I like the way somebody said, oh, Jesus. I'm not kidding. You know why? You are the number one intercessor in her life, but you have turned yourself to an accuser. Where would the mercy come from? Where would the mercy come from now? That is why, if I want to grumble against my wife, it's between me and myself and her. Three of us will grumble amongst ourselves. Occasionally, I drag a friend inside. But before God, I want to thank you for my wife. Yes, she's a good woman. Amen. Anything she has done, forgive. 
The one she wants to do next year, forgive. The one she did against me, forgive. The one she did against you, forgive. Why? I'm the priest now. I plead the blood of Jesus. I carry the bowl of the blood, pour it on the mercy seat. I bring it on behalf of my wife. Mercy. 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 I say, okay, but they don't mind this woman. We'll, we'll beat them one day. Just, just leave them. Leave them. <laughs> they will go to God. Ah, Lord, mercy. You know why? You must never be an accuser against your loved one before the judgment seat of Christ. Never. Never. You can't be an accuser there. You can't be an accuser there. That day, as that thought entered my head, that what will I say to the Lord? I quickly dropped the phone, rushed into the bathroom, had a bath, dressed up nicely. As I was coming in, the anointing came upon me as usual, and I began to preach. Nobody knew that Eve had offended Adam. And we do such things to save the life of Eve and put a blessing on Adam too. True. I hope you're getting my point. Oh, that is the way it works. People don't get it. That is just the way it works. It is not, look, that is the way it works. So back to what I was saying. If God wanted to reduce the, the standard for you, say, no, no, blood, please, please, increase it. Heighten it. Make it tougher. So I was just using as an example of personal testimony. So for me, being at the place where I'm supposed to preach, ha, ah, is crucial. It's very crucial. It's very crucial. That's why in a whole year, you think I don't have other things to do? No, you know, they are playing football. Somebody is doing barrier. You could go barrier all the time when you're supposed to be where the world is happening. Something's worrying you. Your uncle, they bury you, you go there. Your distant cousin, they bury you, you go there. Your auntie by your seventh cousins, uh, this is, you were there. Bury you. Sometimes there are some Christians here. Eh? Every Friday, you can't. You can't rely on them for anything. They don't go bury If I name it, they go, say she will even thank God. Although it's better to go to bury than name it anyway. <laughs> and just, for, just for emphasis, just for emphasis. Solomon was not saying it's better to go to where they are doing, uh, you know, Obito. Where did they kill cow? That's not what he meant. What he meant is that it's better to go to where a man's life is being reflected upon than to where somebody is just being born. Because the newborn one, there's no story to tell. The one that has lived and has died, we can revise his life. And we, we learn lessons from it. That's what he was saying. You, know, you, take, you can't take instructions from a little baby. All of them have just one instruction. Cry, give me milk, I, I drink, I sleep. But the old man, ah... Say, for a life well spent. Say, what do you mean by well spent? At the age of 20, he gave his life to Christ. He was baptized. His family, you know, drove him out. He suffered for Christ. At the age of 40, he was established in this particular area. He began to bless his generation. At the age of 60, he began to teach people what God had taught him. Look at the books he left for. Look at the instructions. Look at the things he left. You are reflecting over the life. That's what Solomon was saying. I hope you are getting my point. That's why he said it's better to go to the house of mourning. Are you getting my point? Where people, that's what it meant. That's what it meant. Don't say that Pastor Bank here said that we should be going for burial, not for naming. So every time you're looking for anybody die here, please, I want to attend burial. That's not what I mean. (laughs) 
the Lord is good. <laughs> so like I was saying, when God wants to bless, he heightens the instructions. When he wants to increase a blessing in your life, the instructions must be heightened. You can't be at the same level you were in 10 years ago and you expect the same amount of ble- a, a new amount of blessing, no. A new level of blessing, no. No. It doesn't work. When he wanted to bless Job, you must understand, when God needed to take Job to a different level, that's why Job went into the troubles he went into. He came out of that trouble purified. Why? The standard he was living by where the standard that time was human. He was, going, he was comparing himself with other humans. And of all the men on the earth, there was none as righteous as Job. Remember, my ways are not your ways. It's not a matter of declaring the distance, but to tell you what, come up hither. So God wanted Job to come up to the righteousness that is by faith. The righteousness of God. Not the righteousness of works. And when he stepped into it, God restored to him what he had lost completely. And then he gave him the same equivalent again on top of that. I hope I get my point. So he gave him double for all his troubles. But before that, he stepped up in the level of righteousness. I hope you're getting my point here. So the instructions of God, they are there to activate a blessing in our lives. People think they are there to deny us of something. They, there's nothing good that God ever denies anybody of. If he says so you don't do something, it means it's not good for you. No matter how good it feels, when, once God says don't, there is something better that's kept for you. God never gives instructions to deny any. Listen, like one man said, he came to God. I said, God, you know, let's do a deal. I have a lot of sins. There's nothing I'm doing with the sins. You have a lot of mercy and forgiveness. There's nothing you are doing with it. Can we just exchange? Did you, did you catch it? He was saying to God, ah, see mercy. See mercy everywhere. See forgiveness all over your cabinet. See forgiveness for sins of the ancestors. Forgiveness for sins of childhood. Forgiveness for sins of youth, young manhood. Forgiveness for sins of adulthood. Forgiveness for sins of old men. Ah, Lord, what are you doing with it? Check my own wardrobe. Iniquity, iniquity, iniquity. <laughs> take some of mine. If I take all of it and give me some of your own. What am I going to say? God has so much good in his wardrobe. He has so much good stored in heaven. There is nothing he's doing with it. All he wants to do is what? Give them to the people. So every opportunity to give a good to somebody, he gives it. Every opportunity, the place is loaded. It's bursting forth. In his presence is what? Fullness, fullness. The joy is full. Pleasures evermore. They are are plenty. So he never denies anybody anything that is good. So once he says, don't, and it feels good to you, is a lie. That thing is a, is a lying good. Do you get my point? The good in it is a lie. It's temporary. It doesn't last. I heard a story told by the Red Prince. It really happened, but it's a dream. It's a young girl. He said in Sweden, the Christians there are very strict, you know? No makeup, no jewelry, that kind of thing. So this family, they, they, they led their children like that. At the age of, is it 16 or other 14 or 17? One of the girls in the house came to the father one day and said, Daddy, that between 14 and 16, after her birthday, she came to the dad one day. He said, my dad, father, thank you very much. You've been a good father to me all this while. And I've obeyed all your instructions. He said, but please, I've thought about it. Let me go and explain what my friends are experiencing. 
Let me see what the world has to offer. Let me enjoy what they are enjoying. You get to the father. A very good Christian family. The father said there's no problem. Thanks her very well for the honesty, you know, coming to talk to him. I said, okay, no problem. I, I can guess the man went to, to go and pray. And the girl went back to her room. After that night or a few nights later, she had a very vivid dream. The dream was so clear. And the dream, she saw two beautiful cities. Lights everywhere. Everything shining from a distance. And one man came to her, looking very handsome and cultured and royal and, you know, rich and everything. Perfect gentleman. So let me show you around. Began to take her to one of those cities. And she was following, feeling very comfortable walking with the man. And the further they walked into the city, the nearer they got there, Beautiful city, neon lights everywhere, everything blinking, 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 blinking. And she was like, wow, this is lovely. The more she walked in, the lights began to go out one by one. She takes a turn, the street goes dark. Then she turns to the man that was beside her. He was getting uglier and uglier by the moment. That was when he dawned on her. She was walking with the devil. Next he knew, everywhere was dark, and she was alone with the devil. Then she woke up. Daddy, I like your way. That your way. <laughs> yeah, because, oh, from there she could see the other city. It continued to shine brighter and brighter. Then she realized that the world was lying to her. There's nothing her friends are enjoying. They are not enjoying anything. It's pure deception. Pure deception. The instructions of God, they are given to allow his blessing flow. Every time he gives an instruction... Doing the opposite is hindrance to the flow of his blessing. So he gives the instruction to open the door of the flow. That's why I started today with that funny story about some men I saw getting married and I saw the kind of women they were being attracted to. And I sat down, my wife and I said, and reasoned. And we said, this is what the issue is. So at the end I said, hey, come on. Women, why do, must God crack your head open? For you to follow a simple instruction that is clear there. Which has blessing attached. All this one we are fighting is pride, human pride. That will not go beyond the grave. It won't carry you to anywhere. There's one that I used to tell my wife, now I've gone back to the marriage issue and everybody don't wake up now. Apostles don't look me like, that. talk out. <laughs> talk out. Talk out. Some men are saying that, hey, my wife didn't come today. Where is she? <laughs> Take the table. Go, go preach them by yourself. Don't be, don't be afraid. Just go home. Preach the message by yourself. You know, there's something I used to tell my wife. I said, see, there's no competition here. I can't win over you. You can't win over me. It's between me and you and us. It's inside this house. I mean, not the house itself. The children, they, they, they're outside. Inside this room, just the two of us. If I win an argument, we have won. If you win an argument, we have won. So let's forget who wins. There's no need for pride. Let's just go for truth. Let's obey God. Let's enjoy his blessing. God doesn't give instructions except something is going to flow. Oh, something flows from it. Talking about marriage, I came to my own calculation. No, this is my own calculation. Whether I married you be happy or not, 80% depends on the woman. And the rest, 70% depends on the man. See the way my daughter turned her head like, you know, like our dog does when it's confused, like. <laughs> I said 80% depends on who? 
and the remnant seventy percent depends on the man. So she's wondering, how did your calculation come to a hundred? Pop, pop, what's going on here? Yeah, the reason is because it's what they call set theory. Yeah, it overlaps. In set theory, three plus four can be equal to five. You know the way it is. Uh huh. All right. Depends on how you're counting. It's set theory. So those of you who, did, who refused to go to class when they were doing mathematics, <laughs> it has caught up with you now in Bible study. <laughs> it said, well, for those, they just help those who don't know. Just a part of it is counted on both sides. That's what it means. So when you count, if you piece them out one by one, it's actually 100%. When you count the woman's side, it's 80%. You count the man's side, it's 70%. Because a huge chunk lies in both spheres. That's what they call set, okay? Is, that, is it not set? It's set, okay. I want to be sure. Uh-huh. The Lord is good. Now, I said 80, 70 just to be nice. I really think it's more like 80, 40, really. Yeah, and you say, why did you say that? I'll tell you the reason why. No, no, it's 80, 70. It's 80, 70. In fact, I think it's 80, 80. Yes, it's 80, 80. Apostle, just 100, 100. Let's leave it like that. <laughs> now, you, you wonder, what do you mean? Let me explain. The first person that got the instructions each time, two of the apostles gave the instructions, Peter and Paul, all right? Both of them said the same things almost word for word. The first instruction both times went to who? The woman. Wives, be subject to your own husbands. If you go and read the old Amplified in the Peter side of the second Peter, you see the way it amplified it. You wonder whether it's talking about God or a man. But the second instruction went to who? The man. But go and check his own was plenty. Paul explained his own. Eh? He explained them. Crisscrossed it, pressed it in, shook it, poured it out, threw it up like, you know, Meshai, cooling the tea, put it back inside the cup. <laughs> Do you get my point? <laughs> he pressed it in. That's the reason why I needed to equate the numbers. Priority to the woman. But intensity to the man. We're not doing marriage seminar. In fact, my wife said that all you women that have been sending my wife to me behind my back because of uh, Israel, Okemote, Felix, Yinka, I heard all the bad, bad people have been doing. Where's uh, Udechuku? Yes. <laughs> Even the young guy has joined them. Uh, became, I'm looking at you. <laughs> Feedback manager, yourself. <laughs> I'm saying you. <laughs> Your wives have been complaining behind the back and they've been pinching me. You go and tell my wife, please tell Pastor now. Pastor should do what now? Should tell this man that he's romantic. So, officially, I want to announce to you that I'm romantic. Oh. Eh? At the dance. At the buy ice cream, thank you. At the wash underwear. Yes, by the grace of God, I do. I, I still did uh, yesterday, yesterday morning. I did. <laughs> so they say I should tell all of you people that don't follow only the hard side of Pastor Baki. Say, Pastor Baki, his wife never argues with me. She argued with me and she got frustrated, though. <laughs> She doesn't argue about go anywhere. I'm a man of God. Can't argue with a man of God and succeed. <laughs> the word of God is on his lips. <laughs> Amen. Uh-huh. So they said I should tell you 
that I should not add. And that guy is single. He's disturbing my message. <laughs> so I hope all of you. She now don't hear so. Yes, sir. Oh, he now no. Now don't hear what I talk so. Yes, sir. Mhm. This I should tell you. Okay. I do. I do hot, hot things. Let's not say in the front of children. Are you getting my point? Uh-huh. You know, I, I, I have about 17 different types of kisses. Last time I checked, as I, when my wife comes out from Lagos, I'll put the 18th one. I hope all of you are listening. Apostle? Yes, I don't know. Maybe I should record it and show it to people like you so you can learn in case you don't know it. They say I should tell you I'm romantic. Say you have heard it now. Uh-huh. Let's get back to my message. That is good. Oh, but how did we reach that? I'm t- they, they don't send message to me. Not me today. Over the years. So now, I finally said it. Amen? Amen. Uh-huh. Let's not get back to what, 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 what was I saying, please? This message is long today. Okay, okay, yes. So, so, so please, I, I see a minute. The first instruction went to the woman again and again. But the intense instruction went to the man. All right? I don't want to take time out reading it. You see, find it there yourself. So, what I've been saying so far is that if we want higher blessings, what do we go for? Higher obedience. Higher obedience. Higher levels of obedience. More adherence to truth. We will seek the truth. If it doesn't come to us easily, we look for it. We look for it. We look for it. We will take time out to study scriptures. We will ask questions. We are not trying to excuse what we would like to do naturally. We will find something that is hard for us to do with our own strength. Then we will go to, now back to the matter of prayer. We'll now go to God in prayer. Like I said earlier, if God were to say to Chidi, I'm cutting down your instructions, you say, no, Lord, don't. Because once you cut down my instructions, you cut down my blessings. So heighten my instructions, but give me grace. Heighten my instructions, but do what? Give me grace. Quickly, the book of Hebrews, chapter 6. Let me see what I said at the beginning again. God never blesses disobedience. If you hold sin in your heart, you are cutting off blessing from yourself. It's not God you are hurting. It's yourself. Sorry. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Not 6. Did I say 6? Yeah, yeah, I said 6. Now, just so that we'll do some reading, I'll take it from verse um, 8. Where we're going is verse 16. He said, For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest, so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. He said, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, 
yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, all of this talk today is to bring us to this particular point, that we must draw near to find grace. We will receive mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is the suspension of judgment which is due us because of disobedience. That's mercy. Mercy is when our judgment will not come because two things are happening. One, the blood of Jesus is speaking on our behalf. And two, we are walking in repentance because the blood of Jesus is not effective in the life of those who are not repentant. Did you hear what I said? It's not effective until repentance is part of you. The the blood of Jesus, what it does is that because God does something. God has a standing principle. It's all over the scripture. Anytime you turn and change, he treats your past mistakes in the light of your new behavior. Did you get what I said? Anytime you turn and change, he takes your past mistakes, he treats them in the light of your new behavior. But somebody has to pay. Sin has been committed. Radioactivity has been released into the atmosphere. Who's going to clean up the debris? Who's going to clean up the, the, the pollution? But now he can't judge you now because his rule is that once a, a sinner turns, we will forget his sins and treat him as if he has always acted righteously. So what is mercy? The blood of Jesus taking care of the things that you have left behind. The blood of Jesus wiping away the effects, the consequences of the sins that you did with your own hands. Because otherwise, God will have done something terrible to the universe. Will have done something terrible to the law of righteousness if he doesn't punish that sin. So that sin must be punished. It must be punished, but it doesn't have to be punished in your life. It is now punished in the life of Jesus. So the punishment of, of Christ pays an eternal price for everybody. It's, it's large enough to accommodate the, any number of people. And it's large enough to accommodate the intensity of sin in any individual's life. But for it to be applied to you, applicable in your life, repentance is what activates it. You must come to God to say, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry by mouth. You're sorry by mouth and actions. John said, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. That's the way it works. So when we draw near, we find mercy. And then we also do what? We receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, time will not permit me now, but if you go back, you will see that uh, Paul was here explaining a particular principle to us, that Israel had a time of need. What was the time of need? The time of need was when the commandment was given, but did not have it in themselves to obey. I hope you're getting my point. You know, before when I was young, much younger, I used to think that, ha, if they put me... uh, (laughs) Um, um, in the, before the fairy furnace of uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Will I not deny the Lord so? Hey, now wow. He <laughs> said, Lord, Shah, please, let's just not take chances. Let you, don't just take us there. If they put you, you know, if, if you know how they use to torture Christians, you don't want to hear. Some of those that you hear, your body, you go, you go begin to get uh, goose pimples. Okay, let me tell, tell you one that will make you get goose pimples. You will take a woman that has a little baby, breastfeeding, Put her in a cell, put the baby in the next cell, and close the doors. It's a matter of time. What happened? Babies do what? Start crying for what? Milk. Her breasts are conge- con- you know, congested, for she needs to breastfeed. And they just one condition given. Deny the Lord that you can breastfeed your baby. She will cross her leg there and say, no, he has done me no wrong. He has commanded that she not be ashamed of him. 
And they'll say, okay. And the baby will cry and cry and cry until he has no more energy to cry. I will grow silent and die. Oh, those guys did strong things. So. When I heard that one, eh, I get goose people again. Team move like this. Cross the back, come to the other. <laughs> goose pimples. So I used to wonder, will I be able to stand it? But I don't, I'm not afraid anymore. No, I'm not afraid. Not because I have the strength. Don't think, ah, Pastor Banky, now you're a mature Christian. Hey, the more mature you are, the more fairer you are. Is that English good? <laughs> you become, because the older you are, the more you understand consequences. No, when, when, you know, I don't want to go into that detail, but when an adult has pain and a child has pain, doctors know the difference. When an adult has pain, the pain is just pain. He's pending me. He's pending me. And another has pain in the chest. I beg, doc, do something. Why? Give me a paper. He's writing a letter to his wife. Meanwhile, meanwhile, password to that account, eh? He's putting it down. <laughs> because pain for him is not just pain, it's death. And death is not just I die, this school fees for the children I'm living behind, a house that we have not finished, people I'm owing, people are owing me. The, you know, so, so the older you get, the more things make meaning to you. When I was young, tell me, deny Jesus or die. What was the young guy living for? Think about it. <laughs> what was the young guy living for? But, <laughs> deny Jesus five years ago or die. I'm thinking of my children. This one's the primary what? That, that's the calculation. Who will take care of them or... If you wanted to keep you, you have just killed me that time when I was like 19, 20. My mother will cry and recover. But now, please take her easy. You, know, you think of consequences. So don't think it's age that made me bolder. That's the point I'm making. Age makes me more afraid. No, this one we're young. I've driven car before at 170 kilometers an hour. Yes? And my friend sitting beside me did not have a seat belt, so I didn't wear my own too. I was driving from Lagos. The car we were driving, the seatbelt on the passenger side was bad, so he couldn't wear. So out of solidarity, I didn't wear my own. <laughs> and between Oran and Benin, 170 kilometers an hour. When I looked, he said, ah, 170, or more. I can't eat small. <laughs> That's the fastest I've gone. One of my guys those days, he said he used to do 180. Lagos to Port Harcourt. He's a, a, a naval officer. Enters the car like this. It goes, he hits 180 and sustains it and it's going. I said, okay, how far? He said, not anymore. He said, no. <laughs> What's changed? Children. So now when it's, does the one children want to come to Lagos? It was a senior naval officer at that time. But, so he had, you know, um, people to help him with things. When he tells him, no, I'm going to bring my family from Port Harcourt, they are coming to Lagos, on holiday. The man will drive to Port Harcourt and become back to Lagos at 80 to 100 kilometers an hour. <laughs> he told him, that's how he drives. Just go, what is the hurry? What does he mean? Lagos is not going anywhere. Lagos is waiting for <laughs> Like, like, that, when we're going for ministry sometimes, I tell whoever is driving, I say, hey, we will relax. Count the number of children whose fathers are in this car. There were three men there. I said, see, come to have six children, please. Don't. <laughs> like I said, there are, are, are like 12 children whose fathers are in this car. 
Please drive JJ. That way, uh, then you could drive until you begin some assault. Now, because never married that time. <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> now, what am I, I'm just saying to emphasize so dramatically the fact that age is not what makes us bolder. No, it's not. It's grace. What brought me to that level of confidence was because I realized all I need is notice. Once you give me notice, I know where to go. It's called the garden. If Jesus, the Son of God, who had existed before, who knew anything, everything, could be afraid at a particular point in time of what he's about to face, who am I? What kind of boldness am I? I'm not afraid. Bros, I am afraid. And I'm not ashamed to say it. What do I, will I do with the fear is the issue? What did Jesus do when his heart was overwhelmed? When the pressure of the things that were coming upon him came to him, what did he do? He went to the garden and he told the, the guys, watch with me for an hour. You stay here to pray. I'm going down. And he said, it clearly. let's not pretend about it. He said, Lord, Father, left to me. Let's find another method. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he kept on praying until the Lord ministered to him a spirit. I don't know how he did it. I believe one of them was visions. He began to show him visions, plain in reels before him. And he saw those visions throughout. He couldn't stop seeing the vision. What was he seeing? He was seeing you and me gathered like this today. He was seeing freedom for me, for my children. Freedom for you, for your children. Showing how the curse of no, I've been lifted over, off your face. He's showing all of those things. Same people that don't have to go to hell. People who can become what God made man to be from the beginning, or purpose for man to be. That vision was before him as they were nailing him to the cross. And we saw that in the life of um, Stephen. As we were studying Stephen, he was seeing things. Uh, the people who they stoned Stephen, those who understand that tongue I spoke now, you will get my point. Now, those who understand, <laughs> those who were stoning Stephen were the ones suffering. Stephen didn't understand that. He was seeing glory. He was in a hurry to depart. Uh, when he was saying, Father, don't hold this thing against them. There was no need to hold it against them. Because they have just sent me faster ahead into a place where others did not even know existed. A place where Jesus taught us about. He was seeing Jesus himself. Say, ah, ah. They were stoning. He wasn't feeling the stoning. God just played the script finally so that the physiology will be completed. So that we can sign the certificate. How did he die? Traumatic injury. <laughs> the man they were traumatized was not feeling anything anymore. That's the point I'm making. So how do we handle it? So when he was talking about drawing near to the throne of grace, he was talking about coming to collect that power. Because let's, let's be honest. You have your wife, you have your kids... They take you from fairly, not very comfortable, but okay, you have a house, you have water, you have food. The children were eating regularly. You were a bit in bondage. I mean, love were in bondage now. Walking from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. Don't think that is bondage. That's like living in Egypt. <laughs> it's like being a slave in Egypt. But you're okay because food is coming out. Those slaves were like that too. All right? Now, I'm bringing up something here. They now, they now uprooted you into the wilderness. Say it's freedom. Hey, finally, your deliverance now. Uh, actualization of the African Republic. You know, whatever it is you call it. <laughs> Only for you to be on the way. First day, the small water when I carry dry. Second day, 
food even finish now. Meanwhile, you, the father, you have not been drinking water when you started calculating. Now you don't the day dehydrated. Next, your wife is dehydrated, and children can dehydrate. You know, children, their surface to mass ratio is very, very high. So next thing you know that the children say, Daddy, I'm thirsty. And once the child says, I'm thirsty, it means I'm thirsty. And they keep on repeating, I'm thirsty. And then what is Moses saying? Nothing. And you think he will not murmur. You will murmur. You have been murmuring. That's why you have been murmuring in Nigeria. Have you not murmured there's no job? Have you not murmured that the road is not good? Have you not murmured that there's half the whole week was shut down this week? Over nothing? You didn't know something about a shutdown? Newspaper didn't even talk about it. <laughs> I opened Guardian. Nothing. Even Vanguard that normally reports everything. He didn't have the time. He said, bros, I'm not going to stop this now, lockdown. He said, well, they report the lockdown for China. One district of China had lockdown, 20 million people lockdown. I heard that one. The one that was inside, it was not in the papers. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to say? This is the reason why people grumble. So Israel began to grumble for valid reasons, humanly speaking. People denied the Lord for valid reasons, humanly speaking. So the time of pressure to deny is what is called the time of need. The time of pressure to disobey is what is called the time of need. No matter the excuse, God does not bless disobedience. The best he can do is to suspend judgment until you come through repentance. All right, But you still have to go back and obey. He will give you another opportunity again to obey. The excuse is, and at that time you still have the same excuse. The only thing is that grace, because of your repentance, because of your drawing near, because of your confession of sin, you will now give grace so that next time the opportunity comes, you will not do the same thing again. I hope you're getting my point here. What am I saying? We're talking about 2022, a new year, new year. New years don't change just because the calendar changed, though. The seasons change because people change. Even deliverance in Israel did not come because it was time to be delivered. One of the reasons why God gave 10 plagues in Egypt. Did I say Egypt or Israel? And the deliverance of Israel from Egypt did not come just because of time, because 400 years was over. That's not the issue. The people needed to have their idols removed. The Bible just didn't go in details in that, in that Exodus to show it to us. If you read the whole scriptures, go down to Jeremiah or Ezekiel. He explained the people had to put away their idols before God could deliver them. And the ten plagues of, in Egypt, in my understanding, was actually targeted at the people of Israel for their learning. God judged all the gods that seduced them in Egypt. He judged them one by one. God could have, could have convinced Pharaoh in a few days. He could have brought the death of the firstborn in a few hours. But he needed to judge the gods that Israel had been seduced by. Totally. He had to cleanse their hearts. So deliverance comes as our hearts are cleansed. Deliverance comes as the sins that easily beset us or beset us are removed. Deliverance comes when repentance be, becomes part of us on a daily basis. Deliverance comes when the stronghold that is inside us, all right, is broken. Sometimes when you hear people talk, you know, it's not everybody you can tell things to. But you want to say, can't you see that this is a stronghold? And once a stronghold is holding you strongly, God cannot go beyond it to bless. He can't. 
So what he does is to be beaten on the stronghold every day. And one of the ways he does it is through frustration. When was I saying this? Was it here? Was it, here? Was it last time? There are so many, so many of the methods we think we know, we, we, we know how to do things. God is working on them to frustrate them. So the earlier he does it for you, the better. And many of the methods, people are, listen, let me just, quick digression. Whatever methods you want to learn is this, like make sure it's a method of righteousness. Even if it's not going to work, make sure it is a method of righteousness. So that even if it doesn't work, it will just not work. There will be no punishment. I don't know whether I get my point. Okay, let me give an example. Now, you want to go and do an exam, you want to pass. This is a method that will not work, but it's the righteous method. I will read and read. I will not sleep. I will cram everything. I will finish all the past questions. There's nowhere they want to come. I'll be come from. I'll be waiting. I will block them here. I will block them there. She you know it's not bad. No, is it a bad thing? But I hope you know for the Christian it will not work. You will still fail in Jesus' name. You will still fail. <laughs> God will make sure you fail. Just has to fail you. So that you will not go and say, My arm brought me this success. Thou shalt remember, it is the Lord thy God that is giving you the power to pass exams. But at least if you want to err on the, on the, on the, if you want to do what is wrong, do that one I have said. This is what I call the one that will bring judgment. See? There's no Allah now. We know the invigilator. We we'll go pay him. So we'll bring our cronje in. He will let us ha- hold our phone. So we'll snap the question paper and WhatsApp it to our guys outside. And they will snap the relevant place and put it back in the send it back to us. And the invigilator will say to him. And then we'll copy. No, down, God will, first, as a believer, you will fail in Jesus' name. Amen. And you also fail in the mighty name of Jesus. <laughs> fail. You will fail both ways. On top of that, God will now put you in prison. The other one, your faith. And before I was afflicted, I went astray. Now I obey your word. So what should you do? Pastor Bank, this is your thing. I shouldn't do it. First, you, you see, there's something that is logical about walking. While walking in a reasonable fashion, you don't trust in the work you have done. You will go and say, Lord, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm a student. I'm supposed to read. I'm asking you to help me. And I don't want to waste your time. I'll give you testimonies of how God helped me before. I've told the stories here and there. One that God did, he made sure that I knew he was the one. You know, there are things God is doing. He will knock back. It is me. This is my ID card. I'm the Lord thy God. So are you sure? Say, yes. Jesus is Lord. I can say by the Spirit. <laughs> you show your ID card. I'm the Lord thy God. I'm thy Savior. Then you pass, you know he's the one. That one I prayed to go. Oral exam, surgery, finals. University of Benin. I said, God, please, I don't want to miss so-and-so prof. And God said, is it the prof you don't want to meet? Or you want to pass? I said, Lord, I want to pass. And I said, Lord, there's a kind of case that normally fails students. For certain reasons, please, I don't want to get this kind of case. I was about to leave the place of prayer. My spirit said again, you don't want that case or you want to pass. I said, Lord, I want to pass. I went there that day. I got that prof and I got that case. <laughs> the case I was afraid of, it was waiting for me. The simplest prof in that exam, a prof from Calabar came to Benin as an external examiner. He was supposed to take my exam. Once I saw him approaching, you know, I was dancing. God of Iraq. You know, I was very happy. Hey, oh, you know, because the man was known, he had, you had to be a dunce. Certifiably dunce-sick creature before the man will fail you. So as he was approaching, I was so happy. I said, Lord, you are good. 
you are kind. You are wonderful. You are worthy to be praised. You know, I, I was so happy. Now, see, as he moved towards me, one evil spirit <laughs> jumped between the two of us and said, Sir, it's break time, sir. And he led the man away to go and drink tea and chop crackers. <laughs> and I looked at this resident doctor, one of those chaperones, those guys who vigilate exams and coordinate things. A resident doctor. I looked at the guy like this. Thunder fire you there. <laughs> You're like, what? Exactly, they send you. It was obvious it was the Lord. Then, so I was waiting. So, okay, because it was tea break, everywhere went quiet. All the examiners disappeared. So, 15 minutes. At the end of 15 minutes, I began to hear them shuffling back. Who did I see? <laughs> that very one I was praying against. And he walked straight to my own cubicle. Took a chair and sat down. And he and his partner that came, the second examiner, said, yeah, present your case. I was looking at the man like this. <laughs> I knew God had me. Because only God, even the devil can't do that one. It only has to be God. The, so, listen, that's what I mean. God showing his ID card, saying, me. And of course, he did what he, he was going to do. He gave me a wonderful exam. By the time I was leaving, the man, I remember the last thing he said. He said, that's my boy. That's my boy. As I left, I was shaking my head like this. I didn't believe. I mean, like, what? What just happened now? So, you know, that's how we Christians succeed. We pray to God. He answers prayers. What people mean when they say that you people will be praying, you'll be praying. They think we are praying means we are lazy. We are praying doesn't mean we are lazy. Because we are praying, we are diligent. Because if for us to be able to pray, we have to be accountable to the person who is listening to the prayer. Let's get it clear. So we Christians, we pray, but we do what we are commanded to do. But we don't put our trust in our works. It's the reason why, even though we have exam, it's coming up in the next few weeks, it's time to go and hear the word. We close the book and go and honor the Lord of success. Even though exam is coming, they said 90 minutes worship was the one that happened in TCC on Friday. Uh-huh. We say, ah, we're supposed to have a revision now. But guys, I want to go and worship. I don't carry my, I just go there, put up my two hands, and worship the Lord, and dance in the presence of the Lord in the company of my brethren. And I go back, I don't think it's time wasted. I think it's time invested. When I feel tired, I lie down, I sleep. When I wake up in the morning, I don't waste my time pursuing who's playing which match, who's not playing which match, or who's ultimately searching something, or which idol. Do you get my point? All this um, full tomfoolery that the world gets involved in. I go about my business. But I give honor to the Lord to whom honor is due. I don't just condemn his church because I have exam coming. No. I still go and hear the word. I still go and pray. But the time to work, I work. I will just say, even though our labors in itself will not work, 
but let's not go into iniquity. And I say, I will cheat. Because if you do that, not only will you fail, Christians fail when they disobey God. And it's love, it's love. Let me just pray a prayer of love for you. May you not succeed in disobedience. Amen. So that your heart will not be hardened. That is why. When you fail in disobedience, be happy. Say, God is correcting you. I told you, sort of one brother, he sent us a mail. Very good. God will bless him. In fact, I don't need to say that. God is already blessing him. That's why it happened. He found a way to manipulate the currencies and make some money. He made 5000 at the first time. He went to the ATM machine, put in his ATM card, wanted to withdraw 5000 The ATM calculated that five pieces of 1000 is how many? It's 5000 right? So the ATM gave him five pieces of 500 naira. Two five. So once he saw the money, he saw the Holy Spirit saying, You know, normally you go to the bank and go and come, come fill form. Come. No, the guy put the two five for pocket, just the worker go house. So if I enter that bank, God cash me there. <laughs> Money that we use disobedience to make. Say, no, I know they do. He said, boy, no temptation. <laughs> His friend said, let's, let's do that. He went and did it again. This time I made 9,000 naira. <laughs> conscience, you know, he suppressed the conscience. And God said, I will wake your conscience up for you. So as they work out, it was good on the road. With his phone. Wham! He fell. Bam! Shattered. He went to the place. How much? He said 11,000 to change the screen. <laughs> Just made 9,000 naira. The phone shattered. He had to look for 2,000 that he did not steal to add to the 9,000 that he stole from the system and give it to people. After that, he said, Lord, if I do the third time, I'm a madman. And I know what you will do. I don't know what you will do, but I'm afraid of what you will do. So he said, I told his friend, I know they do it again. He now wrote us a mail. Say, sir, this is the experience of a disobedient prodigal son. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Now I obey the word of God. <laughs> you know what? God will bless that young man. In this order, that iniquity he did, God has forgiven it. Once he wrote that mail, that was confession of sin. God had wiped it away. You don't, don't know God. God has so forgiven him so that he will bless him mightily. Yeah, that's what he does. That's what he does. Once we confess our sins, God blesses. What am I saying today? Let me summarize it here. Apostle, time to pray. We don't use that and take talk. On Tuesday, we will lead prayer on this matter. This is why I was doing all of these things. We want to set the, light, the year right. It is not to be praying, uh, Buhari, uh, IPOB. They are not the problem. It is to pray concerning what? Obedience. Pressure will come to disobey. You don't obey God with determination. When Jesus said, you will, you will deny me uh, twice. Abi, you will deny me three times, yes. The cock will crow twice, you will deny me three times. When God told Peter that, it was because he was bragging. If he had said, Jesus, let's go and pray. You are going to pray, I will follow you. Jesus would never have told him that. He said, that, look, let's go and pray, he said, so that you will not fall into temptation. He said, we will be tempted in other areas, but deny you. Said John, I never trusted him. He's going away. Peter doesn't be the Thomas. You'll be the first to miss. Andrew, since then you called him, he's still looking for the way to go back to fishing. Do you know, he had all kinds of stories. He said, but me. The rest said, Peter is not only you. The Bible says, so said all of them. He says, not only you. We too will never. They should have gone to pray. When the Lord said, everybody will scatter. He said, me too, I will scatter. They should have gotten on their knees. Lord, and you know the prayer is simple. Lord, please help me. So that I will not scatter. I love Jesus. I don't want to scatter from him. Can we rest on our feet and begin to pray?
Let's rise to our feet and begin to pray. He said, draw near to the throne of grace. So, how is the year going to be better? It is that whatever sin has been inside me, it will not continue after today. It's a simple, begin to pray. You know what to pray about. I'm not going to tell you what to pray about, but pray about it. You know the one that is yours. Say, Lord, help me. I have to drop it. I have to drop it. Because it is withholding me from succeeding. It's blocking my blessing. Pray, pray. Say, this line will not destroy me. Because it will, if you don't do something about it. Being untrustworthy, being unfaithful, sexual immorality, cheating. Let's see, even the, the, the lust of the eyes, you, you keep buying things you can't afford. It's a sin. I hope you know that. It's a sin. You are competing with people who are not going to the same place you are going to. Your friend bought a car, you must buy one. You just want to show off. You have to repent. It's, let's call a spade a spade. There's no grace that will cover it. Many people, the reason why they are not balanced financially is because they are not disciplined. Disciplined in different areas. They are not disciplined to be diligent. They are not disciplined concerning what they need. It's not every time something is on sale that you need to buy. It's called temptation. Those guys do it deliberately. Say so it used to be 155000 Going for this weekend alone, 98000 naira. Save, save, save the difference. Say 56,000 naira. Or is it 57? It's a lie. You are spending 98,000. You are not saving 57,000. Pray. Say, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from doing evil. When Jesus said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What he said is deliver us from doing evil. Not from evil happening to us. That's what we don't realize. He was saying, deliver us from doing evil. We don't want to do evil. Deliver us. Say, Lord, deliver me. Let me not marry the wrong man. The wrong man will come with a sweet mouth. You are a woman. Sweet mouth works. If you come, you will be so kind. You are a woman. Kindness touches the heart of women. The same way respect touches the heart of a man. Kindness. Ha! Pray, say, Lord, deliver me from evil. Let me not marry the man that does not love you just pretending. He said, look, pray honestly like that. Don't be, no, there's no, no, no need to pretend about it. Lord, I don't want to be yoked in what would be an unequal yoke with an unbeliever. No matter how nice and handsome he is, I will not be. I ask you, strengthen me. Let me not be carried away. It's a simple prayer. Let my friend not lead me into iniquity. Let me not love quick money. Help me to understand in this season that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. Help me to be faithful. Ah! Faithfulness, a faithful one, a faithful person to find hard. Say, Lord, let me be found worthy. Let me be found faithful. Please, these are the things that change our seasons. There are the things that hold people back from blessing. If you continue to walk in iniquity, no matter how much God loves you, the blessing has been, short, it has been held back. It has been suspended. For many people, it's a season of release. God just wanted to push them to this point. Say, repent of your sins. Don't use Nigeria as an excuse for iniquity. 
Take your eyes away from, ah, if I get there, I will prosper. Say, God, you can prosper me here. And let me just give somebody an instruction. Don't leave Nigeria, if, even if God wants you to travel, until he has shown you his hand here. Because if you live with hope that you will prosper somewhere else, oh, my father, the frustration will scare you. Peter did not leave fishing because fishing was not working. Jesus first gave him fish. They told him, leave. Just run up and down because things are not working. There are times you leave because even though things are working, because another season has come. Say, Lord, lead me in the right season. Don't let my need, my frustrations drive me up and down. I mean, that's the prayer we need to pray. Help me to obey you no matter what. Say, Lord, I come to the throne of grace. Please, I want to ask us to do something. Can everybody, can you kneel down? Kneel down, kneel down where you are. Use your chair, something, I don't know. Just came to my heart. Kneel, everybody. Now you are kneeling before the throne of grace. You can kneel on your chair, you can, whichever way you want to do it. Just kneel. But it's a sign that, Lord, I have come for help. I have come for help. Say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Help me. Let me know disobedience. So, listen, disobedience sometimes is enforced on people with threats. Threats to your life, your well-being, to your family. Say, Lord, no matter what it is, I will not let any human being steal my destiny. Pray. Even if you are young, pray. Say, Lord, this year, I will walk in righteousness by your might, by your strength, by your power. I will walk in righteousness. I will walk in righteousness. I ask you for help. Not my own strength. I ask you for help. Say, Lord, help me. I come to your throne. I come to ask for grace. And mercy, of course, so that all my past works that are in disobedience will be forgiven. There's a husband here that needs to forgive the wife. Say, Lord, help me to forgive. Say, Lord, help me to forgive. Yes, I've been hurt. I've been pained. Yes, for months, for years actually. Lord, but today I let go. I let go before your throne. I let go before your throne. Not by my own strength. Not by my own strength. Say, Lord, I come to you for help. Paul said, draw near to the throne of grace. That you may receive mercy. And grace to help. Yes. Receive help this evening. Receive help this evening. Let every stronghold be broken. Let every stronghold be broken. There are different kinds of strongholds. There are people here that need to talk, just you need to just change your thoughts concerning where God will bless you from. That's all. If you pursue a business, they told you that this is where quick money comes. God said, I want you to hate quick money. From today, I don't even want you to want it. And I will lead you into the things that I want you to do, really. It is help we're asking for today. It is help. It is help we're asking the Lord for today. It is help. Father, we thank you. Please begin to give him thanks. Because he's heard you. He's heard you. He's heard. That one, I don't have any doubt in my heart. He has heard. He has heard. Mercy. Receive mercy. Receive mercy. Amen. Receive mercy. Amen. Receive mercy. Amen. Receive grace. Amen. Receive grace. Amen. 
in the name of Jesus. Amen. Rise to your feet. Begin to give it all thanks. Let's rise to our feet. Thank you, Father. Take a moment. Just one minute and say, Lord, we thank you. Give him thanks for a minute.